0: Good evening and good morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. Welcome back to your favorite Premier League podcast based in the United States. This week, I'm your host, Sean, Uh, joined by Kyle, but without the services of our good friend James Tessarero as he celebrates his sister's birthday. Uh, This week, we have a great episode for you, the return of the FA Cup, a great League Cup final, a little bit of a splash of the new manager bounce, and a whole lot more to cover, but of, as always, we started off with some hot news. And this week, first off, we start with Burton's point deduction update. Um, they did appeal their initial charge for violating profit and sustainability rules in the 2022-2023 season. They were initially docked 10 points. They are now down to 6 points after appeal. This is... Massive for the Toffees. They move up to 15th place and now are five points clear of the relegation zone. Uh, Luton Town drops into the drop zone. So, I mean, that's massive for them. Um, They do obviously have another charge hanging over their head for this current season, um, as well as Nottingham Forest. So, you know, if those six point deductions were applied to each team, then Nottingham Forest would drop into the relegation zone and Everton would move into 17th place. But, We'll see if that's something that uh, ends up being processed this year or if that's something that comes through next season. Uh, But Kyle, I mean, overall, what do you think about that one? That's, that's a big win for the Toffees, isn't it? I think it's a win for everyone. You know, everyone who's in that little boat
1: of that looming devastation, that is a point deduction because they cheated. I think this is going to be really good for all those teams. You know, if it's, whether or not you're looking at 200 violations or one violation, I think this is them saying we're going to be really lenient from now on and they can just continue. So I'm liking it. But I think the big thing here is that, you know, that puts Luton and Nottingham Forest in the gunner seat because they are separate. I think it's two. They're separated by two in their goal differential and four in points. And it's not like one team is, oh, I have 55 goals, but I've let up, you know, 20. It's like no they're within two for goals for and they're close on goals against they're very similar style teams and i think it's just going to come down to strength of schedule coming in but i think it's pretty apparent right now that if you're an everton fan
0: you can relax just take a deep breath you should be playing premier league football next year. yeah season. and to your point there is a game on saint paddy's day between luton town and nottingham forest at kenilworth road so obviously there's a couple of matches for each team in between that time uh, but that's going to be a massive, massive match in terms of uh, relegation implications. Um, I also just wanted to mention, obviously, you know, when we enter into to February and, and March. We're in that spring break time of year. Everybody takes a little bit of time off. You know, there's some great vacation destinations. You could go to Cabo, Miami, but you just can't beat Porto this time of year, can you? I mean,
1: You got to get out of the cold. You got to head to Porto. You got to see the sights. You got to watch them play. You got to be James. It's just, it's the play. I'm jealous. Nowhere else I'd rather be in the world right now than
0: Porto. (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of places where no one would rather be, how about being a Bayer Leverkusen fan sitting eight points clear at the top of the table and setting a record this weekend? You want to talk a little bit about that to the folks? Yeah, I've been following this one. This is an awesome
1: story, guys. Xabi Alonso's men are at the top of the Bundesliga and eight points clear by Bayern Munich, who have, by the way, won 11 straight Bundesliga titles. So that Harry Kane curse, it's its real and it's something. Keep an eye out for that one. But not only that, they're also in the semifinals, the DFB Pokal, which is end of end the last 16 of the Europa League. They're playing, what, Karabag soon? They're from Azerbaijan, so look for them to slaughter them. Um, If you watch the game this weekend, they won two to one. It was off two long shots. I think if you add up the distance from each shot, it was around 60 to 70 yards worth of shots that led to two goals. One was a dramatic error from the goalie for Maines. The ball went through his hands, but the shot was about 38, 40 yards out and it was a knuckleball. So hard to judge, but you got to punch those. So he tried to catch it. Huge error on the goalie. But watch, watch the highlights and look for granted Jocka's goal. It's classic, less dominant foot. He's rocked, or it might be his most dominant. Jocka a lefty? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So he's it's with his dominant foot, but it left the goalie just on his feet. He didn't even try for it. So both goals look real bad for the Mains goalie. A game he's gonna want to wanna forget. But the main questions here, Sean, is can Leverkusen finish this season unbeaten? Like that is it's only happened once if at least as far as I'm concerned, it was the Invincibles, the Gunners back in the Terry Henry days. But I mean, this, this is a good chance. And those who are going to claim James, <clears throat> that this is a farmer's league. It is a farmer's league for Bayern Munich. So the fact that a different team is doing it means this might even be more impressive than when, was it Arsenal? When <laughs> that team in England, whatever, that Arsenal team did it. But yeah, guys, keep an eye on this one. It's super exciting. Super fun. Big fan of Jabby Lonzo. And it's the the question now is after this season,
0: does he stay or does he go? And if so, where does he go? Liverpool. That's the answer, hopefully for for my mental sanity. Um, but yeah, I mean, 33 games unbeaten. It, it breaks a streak set by Pep Guardiola when he was at uh, Bayern about 10 years ago, which is 32 games unbeaten. They have 29 wins and just four draws across the space of this year. I think they're only eight wins away from clinching the Bundesliga with only 11 games to go. So um, really, really special stuff. And, and, you know, just going from, from that to another special occasion. How about Liverpool beating Chelsea with a bunch of toddlers and Virgil van Dyke this weekend or, or yesterday I should say. Oh, that was awesome. Love seeing the captain perform. Love that. Nothing, nothing gets you going quite like a captain leading by example, you know, like that Vincent company goal against Leicester to win, win city of the league in eighteen nineteen, Um, and, and Virgil van Dyke delivered yesterday. He had one goal ruled out for offsides, interference, something. I'm not really sure nonsense. what the hell that was, but
1: not, it was nonsense, but it, yeah. What are you going to do? Controversy in a cup final.
0: It's always going to yeah, be there. That's true. Well, Liverpool win their record high 10th league cup final. Um, like I said, thanks to an extra time header from Virgil Van Dyke, both teams had goals ruled out in normal time. Um, obviously, Raheem Sterling had the first one ruled out for offsides uh, on Nico Jackson, and then the thing with with the, the the endo goal, or sorry, the endo interference, was that they said that he came from an offside position and then interfered. But I mean, we see things like that happen regularly in in Premier League matches. I mean, I can point to an example. In a game that we're going to discuss shortly in the Fulham Manchester United game where Calvin Bassey scores and he's freed up because of interference from someone who starts in an offside position. Um, just seemed really weird to call that a clear and obvious error, in my opinion. Um and, and overall, Chris Kavanaugh, the referee, was horrendous on the day. I mean, Moises Caicedo. Literally almost broke Gravin Birch's ankle in this game. I think he, he left the game on crutches. He had a, a grade three sprain, so he's going to be out for quite a bit. And what? not only was he not booked, there wasn't even a foul or a VAR check, but they're looking for interference on on free kicks now, which just boggles the mind. No, that's ass.
1: I mean, that challenge could have been like a career ender. That was a studs up on the ankle. His foot could have been broken multiple places. That is a at the very least a yellow card in my opinion
0: yeah absolutely and it, it didn't even get called a foul which i just don't understand it's the second time that's happened recently where liverpool's uh the other time it was oh clivert on on luis diaz where studs up on the ankle and we've seen you know consistently that type of challenge has been called either yellow or red at least minimum um throughout the last couple of months and and even going back to last year but just for some reason hasn't been the case of late um and I just want to point out Ben Chilwell is an absolute wet wipe of a human being. That dude was beefing with teenagers the whole game, <laughs> like nineteen year olds threw the ball, like got into it with with uh, Connor Bradley, started chirping him, got real mouthy until Kanate came over, and then all of a sudden he decided he's going to pipe down a little bit, and then he also spit at Bobby Clark, which was who's like in his eighth ever appearance. Just you know says a lot about the class of Chelsea Football Club. That that's the guy who's your your representative. Um, but overall, it was a really even game. Very exciting to watch. I mean, uh, over 365 minutes played between this and then the previous two finals without an open play or without a goal being scored, not open play, just period, which is insane. And, and a lot of that in this game goes goes to the credit of the goalkeepers who, um, you know, Jordy Petrovic on on the Chelsea side and and Kelleher on the Liverpool side were both phenomenal for me. Um, I, I, we asked James for his, his input on this game. And all he said was Cleveland Kelleher." I was not familiar with your game. So, uh, just shows you the type of performance that he had. I think there was a couple, one, one on Sterling, one on Palmer, and then one really late in, in, uh, in normal time for Gallagher that looked like, you know, sure goals. And, and he was able to keep it out. Chelsea had an expected goals of 2.33 in this one. So he certainly de- deserves a lot of credit. Um, but for me, the game changed around the 87th minute mark, Chelsea, especially late in the second half, looked like they were, you know, going to score a goal. They were definitely the better team at that point, creating a lot more chances. And, you know, we've, we've discussed obviously of recent, the injuries that Liverpool have gone through. They don't have a very deep bench at the moment. So who had to be subbed on in the 87th minute? 18 year old Jaden dance in his second ever appearance, James McConnell, who's played in six games this year, Bobby Clark, who's up to a whopping eight games in all comps. And then Jarrell Quanta, who turned 21 last month. The other, other guys are all teenagers. They came on and, and really in extra time, the game changed. It seemed like Liverpool were, were from that point on the much more dominant team. And uh, Pochettino said it after the game that, that, Chelsea were p- playing for penalties, which is just embarrassing when you're playing against Liverpool's under 18 team. And you were the better team towards the end of extra time. I mean, that, that was just, that's like a fireable offense on its own right there. I, I couldn't believe when he said that they were basically playing for penalties as soon as extra time started. Like you got to go, you got to go at Liverpool in that, in that moment. Um, I think liver uh, James called Liverpool at that point, uh, the corpse of Luis Diaz, and three toddlers as, as the, uh, the unit up front. Um, but well, I mean, if you, if you spend a billion
1: dollars and then lose a cup final, you need to make an excuse or else I guess so. it's just, you got to find something, right?
0: Yeah, man, I guess so. I don't know. i the, the copium overdose from Chelsea <laughs> overall was just ridiculous. They tried to, to play it off as well. The average age of Liverpool is higher. It's like, yeah, it's because Van Dyke's 32 and Wataro Endo's 31 whereas you have a bunch of ch- children playing around them. And then, yeah, Chelsea has a young squad overall. But, for example, Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo cost 235 million pounds combined. So we're talking about young players, yes, at Chelsea, but guys who have gone for world record fees and have accomplished things. So, uh, I mean, the, the average age excuse was just nonsense, or as you would call it, malarkey. Hogwash. Hogwash, just nonsense. Yeah, but I mean, the takeaway for myself here is that,
1: I mean, you guys beat them with children. And, you know, you look at, in my opinion, the man of the match was Kelleher. Uh, They gave it to Van Dyke as, this is tough. I mean, yes, did Van Dyke deserve it? Absolutely, he did. Captain position, led the team for 120 straight minutes, scored the game winner, scored one that should have counted. Absolutely. But, I mean, Kelleher got rated a nine that game. And there were two moments, one at the end of the first half and then one at the end of, you know, regular time. I think it was, uh, who is it? Connor Gallagher broke toward the end of the game and he shut him down. And then he stopped Cole Palmer right at the end of the first half. I think those two saves, I mean, talk about quintessential. I mean, my goodness, absolute monster back there. And, you know, how much are
0: you paying him? less than less than 1% of what Chelsea's paying their guys. Probably <laughs> probably like, probably. Yeah. He's the backup goalie and you got to give a lot of credit to the, the goalie coach, John Achterberg because clearly whatever he's done. They have made, he's made the goalies at Liverpool tremendous in one-on-one situations. We talk all the time about how Allison, even in those situations where almost every other goalies at the disadvantage, he seems to make himself bigger and make it hard to get around him. Um, and, and Kelleher, you know, is a tremendous understudy. Klopp said after the game, "We have the best goalkeeper in the world, and we have the best number two goalkeeper in the world." And I'm sure James, if he was here, would be frothing at the mouth at the disrespect for Aaron Ramsdale. Um, but I would just point to Clevin Kelleher's two trophies in the Carabao Cup and his performances uh, keeping clean sheet both this time and and in 2021 um, as evidence against that. Just to what you you talked about, Gary Neville called Chelsea the billion, the blue billion pound bottle jobs, which is <laughs> I'm I'm think we should just not even refer to them as Chelsea FC anymore and just call them that until proven otherwise. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And you know, going back to what you were saying about
1: Kelleher being the number two in the world, it's tough for someone like that because he just doesn't get his moments. Because I think it's pretty undisputed that Allison is the best shot blocker in the world right now. He can make his body the size of the net, it almost seems, at points. But, you know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Brett Favre. He had Aaron Rodgers under him. No one knew who Aaron Rodgers was. And then he gets his moment because he trained under the best. So it's not that surprising to see Kelleher with the coach he has. And, you know, he's following in Allison's footsteps. So I, I would agree with you that he's probably a top 10 goalie in the world as a someone who rides the bench. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I don't know I don't know if he's
0: that. that high but he's he's certainly in terms of backups he's definitely on uh, I mean high we're talking top 5 now. I mean that's the first <laughs> I've seen him
1: and that was immaculate.
0: Well, we'll see. I mean they're going to need him to be big. Allison's out until the uh the March international break, so there's there's obviously uh FA Cup this week. They have Europa League next week and and Forest at the weekend and then the following weekend is is obviously the title decider at May, uh, or at home against man city. So um, he's going to need to continue to play like that for Liverpool to have a chance to, you know, to win trophy, you know, another trophy beyond this one. Um, And listen, I I totally understand that the league cup is not the most important trophy in the world, but when you get to the final and you're playing against a rival, which Chelsea absolutely is for Liverpool, those two clubs and those fan bases loathe each other. Um, Speaking of the fan bases, I've never seen quite an ass kicking like the The comparison between the noise from Liverpool fans in extra time and Chelsea fans, um, I, (laughs) it was kind of embarrassing. I, I I guess you know Chelsea only has Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea as a as a uh, chant. You know, there's not a lot of creativity there in uh, in West London, but still, it was was a tough break for for them. Um, just going going off of that, the only teams that have won the League Cup trophy since 2012 are Liverpool twice. Or sorry, three times Manchester United, twice Man City, four times, and Chelsea twice. So, um, how many? Very times much so. Won it uh, zero. That's why ch- zero. James, oh,
1: jeez, yeah. that's in
0: true. in that time frame. Yeah, no, that's a a big fat zero. Mm. It's tough. Well, at least he's in Porto. That's always good. <laughs> yeah, I I guess so. Um, he's got that going for him. Yeah, I don't even think. <laughs> I could be wrong on this. I don't think they ever won it under Arsene Wenger, so I guess the uh, the League Cup trophies for Arsenal are even further back in the day than that. Um, but it it is a special moment when when you get to see you know a bunch of like homegrown grown players contribute to a win. Um, it really goes to 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 show the the belief that Klopp has in, in his young players and and his willingness to put them out there in a final. And it wasn't like they were. He put them on there to play, you know, three minutes at the end of a game or five minutes, whatever. He put them on there in the eighty seventh minute of a nil nil game, knowing that we're going into thirty minutes of extra time and believing that they could, you know, help to 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 bring the team over the line. And you know, specifically, the guy that stood out for me was James McConnell. He had the most touches in extra time, fifty two. I think the next closest was Enzo Fernandez with forty eight. He had a couple of great tackles on Fernandez to win the ball back. I just thought. He really stood out, you know. I've only seen him a little bit, um, you know, in, in brief cameos here and there. He played really well in the uh, the fourth round of the FA Cup against Norwich, but that's against Championship opposition. He's he's going up against a, a World Cup winner in Fernandez, who broke the you know the world transfer record, Caicedo, who might be the most overpaid player on the planet. Um, he's just out there to kick lumps into people, apparently, and does nothing else well. Um, but I mean, I'll, do you have any other takeaways before I? I you know, enter James territory of, of just waxing poetic about my team? (laughs) Uh, I guess the one takeaway
1: I would say is watching the game. I don't think there was a single person other than Chelsea fans who didn't want Klopp to get that trophy. I mean, you know, football transcends one versus the other. Like it's a lifestyle, it's a family, it's the other thing, but I love Klopp. I don't know if I've ever liked an opposing manager from a rival team more. So even I was smirking, you know, ear to ear watching Klopp get that trophy.
0: Yeah, no. And it was it was awesome to see him, you know, be able to lift that trophy with Van Dyke. Um, the two of them obviously are so crucial in in the success and, and the turnaround that Liverpool had from, you know, where they were the decade plus previously. Um, so that's special. I know they've they're already talking about at the end of the season even if that's the last trophy that he wins, that they'll have a parade just to acknowledge the achievements that he's done and how much he means to the club and to the city uh, of Liverpool. So um, I certainly hope it's not the last one. Like we'll, we'll talk about, obviously there's, there's FA Cup games coming up this week and the children will be relied upon again because Liverpool, you know, are without Nunez, Sala, Jata, Curtis Jones, Dominic Soboslai, Graven Birch, Allison, Joel Matip, I'm sure there's somebody else I'm missing. Alexander as well. Arnold too, right? And Trent. Yeah. See, yeah, there you go. I knew I was missing somebody. Um, and, and all those guys are probably not going to play Wednesday either. So you just listed an entire starting Liverpool lineup. That's I know wild. It's, it's basic. <laughs> it's basically like more than half of the starting 11. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can pull it out. Obviously Southampton is a championship team, but they're, you know, they were a Premier league level club last year. they they're, they're one of the favorites to come up again i think they're sitting third in the championship at the moment um but if that's the last one that that claps one you know that that would suck but there's still three trophies on the table there that they're competing for they're in the, the last 16 of europa and they're in this title race with arsenal and city and and listen i i don't think they're the favorites i think i still would would, would defer to city there um you know just the level that they're at and then obviously the injuries that they're facing and and you know, we'll still have when they play City in a couple of weeks, but um, if there's anybody that can do it, it's Jurgen Klopp. So, yeah, it just a really impre- impressive victory for them, and um, you know, made the league fi- league cup final more special than than it usually is. I, I think um, just the context of the situation. But moving on, we have Nigerian nightmares for our boy Ian and Manchester United. A two one victory for Fulham. At Old Trafford, over United, you watch this game. Give me a little bit of your uh, your takeaways from this one. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway is that
1: Ramses Holden is needed on that field. I mean, Manu did not look the same without him. They had they registered nine shots for the game, and they relied on a Harry Maguire goal. Yes, I'll say it again: a Harry Maguire goal. You love to see it. I love the man. I mean, it's like rooting for Eli Manning. You're just rooting for the probable biggest mentally challenged athlete <laughs> in the sport. So it's always nice seeing him get up there. Uh, Adama Traore showed his quality this game. Sean, question for you, though. When you think Adama Traore, what do you think of first? The oil pace. or the speed? Oh, pace. But yeah, yeah, I guess you could put the oils definitely high up there. That's I true. Mean, it was bad this game. You, you could almost see the sun coming off this guy's arms. Wild. But he played fantastic. His speed really helped them late in the game. And, you know, he was quintessential in their stoppage time success. Uh, For those who didn't watch the game, Manu did out-XG them. It was 1.97 to 1.48. 1.97, nothing to scoff about. I mean, that's top four in the Premier League type XGs there. But they need to find their talisman that can put them away. They can't rely on Harold. You just can't do it. Um... Other than that, shout out to Alex Iwobi, 97th minute game winner. Amazing. Love to see that. This is, you can correct me if I'm wrong though, but the first time in history that Fulham has actually beaten
0: Man U. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, James said that on last week's podcast that, that it hadn't been done before. And it just further goes to the proof that our lock of the weeks are cursed, that Fulham is winning their first ever victory at Old Trafford. And it's because I picked them as my lock of the week. Oh, I don't say that
1: because I'm for sure choosing City over Man U this week is my lock. So. <laughs> we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make sure that we switch that up.
0: Yeah, maybe this, maybe this segment has to get retired after this week. We'll see. <laughs> it's bad. We'll, we'll find something else for you guys. I don't know what to tell you. It's bad. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, Calvin Bassey Also, if you if you go back and look, he scored a goal in the 65th minute of this game. Just smashed it. First time he actually got like we talked about a little bit earlier bit earlier, excuse me, got freed up by somebody in an offside position using a block that apparently wasn't a problem on Saturday. It's only on Sundays that blocking on free kicks is not allowed. Um, but he, his first header gets blocked, comes back to him, he hits it with his left, and just ferocious above onana, under the crossbar um, to, to make it one nil and then like you talked about there was a Harry Maguire tap in around the 88th or 89th minute and it looked like United were going to steal a point well not steal they they were the better team overall but um Awobi who had probably three golden not golden but really strong chances I would say in the first half um was able to finish one like you talked about obviously Adama Traore who's I think he's only played 80 minutes of Premier League football this year he's pretty much exclusively been used off the bench and and um he he came on and and you know like you talked about his speed helped make it happen. He got cut it over to uh, to a Wobi who who put it on to his right and then just lashed it in to give Fulham you know the three points, uh, which is just a really big three points for them. I think they've been struggling quite a bit of late. Um, if you look about their last five to ten matches, um, that's actually their their only their second win in their last eight. Um, so. It's big for them. I don't think they were ever in, you know, danger of falling into the relegation zone. They're at 32 points, so they should be clear there. But still, from a momentum standpoint, you don't want to finish this season on a, on a, on a soft note. We'll be interesting to see kind of how they progress from here. But you have anything else on this one? Uh, no, I think you
1: covered everything. I mean, I'm sure, Fulham are missing Clint Dempsey right about now. I loved watching him play for them. That was a good time. Fulham go. Oh, the GOAT, yeah. I mean, then you had, what, Tim
0: Howard on Everton? The the GOATs? (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was a time when, like, Fulham had Boca Negra and somebody else, too, also that played for the U.S. team. And then, obviously, now they have Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson. So, there's always been a bit of an American connection there. Um, Speaking of American connections, talk about Chris Richards from Crystal Palace scoring his first ever Premier League goal in Crystal Palace's 3-0 win over 10-man Burnley. The new manager bounce is alive and well. And yes, I understand it's Burnley, but... That's crazy. Every time. You still got to take it because Fulham... Excuse me, Fulham. Palace have been pretty shit of the last month or so. Um, and their first game under Oliver Glasner, they get three goals. It's only the third time all season that they scored three goals in a match. So that's a big one for them. Um, also today, we had Jared Bowen scoring his first hat trick in, in, in the Premier League uh, as West Ham cruise passed. Brentford four to two. Um, And then this one, I mean, this was a call of the week by James last week, because he said Newcastle are frauds right before they played his team, which like if you say about Sheffield United or Burnley, that's one thing. But Newcastle, he called them frauds last week, right before they played Arsenal. And Arsenal made them look like frauds. Uh, Two more set piece goals in a 4-1 victory. Newcastle had just 22 passes in the, into the opposition's half and one touch inside the Arsenal box, which did finish with a goal by Joe Willick, a former Arsenal boy. Um, the only notable differences between this game and, and, uh, and the previous matchup where Newcastle won up at, uh, at St. James's Park is that Isak actually came in for Callum Wilson. Um, and then obviously there was two guys who were essential for uh, that victory and Joel Linton and Nick Pope are both out with injuries. Uh, My boy, Loris Karius made his Premier league debut for this season. Uh, James said, shout out to Loris Karius, not only for his baby mama, but he also might be the the keeper with the worst luck out there. Not one of the goals he allowed were his fault. And he actually made a couple of impressive stops, but Arsenal were just too dominant on the day. No bias there, but I I also don't think
1: such a James thing to say, come on.
0: I mean, his, his, his wife is, is really hot, so he's got that going for him. Oh, good
1: for him. Yeah, good for him.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, two more set-piece goals for Arsenal. They are so dangerous at those. Declan Rice, you know, balling as per usual for him. For you right now, is he the player of the season for you, or would you go a different direction? Declan Rice?
1: Oh, I mean, maybe at midfield? Uh, You got some special players out there. I know Spurs have some good ones in Richarlison. Son had an electric start to the season. But, you know, KDB's return has been unbelievable. But I think consistently
0: for the whole season, yeah,
1: I think you put Declan Rice right up there.
0: Yeah, I I think it's fair. And and we'll only have this conversation when James is not on the podcast. We'll go back to trashing him as soon as James returns next week. Well, we're trying to keep this under two hours tonight, so we're going to have to leave it right there. (laughs) Yep. And then uh and then Man City held on against Bournemouth. What do you have on that game? Did you uh dude? I have sweat from that game.
1: I mean, yeah. talk about getting out played in the second half. I thought that was gonna be an easy victory, but no. I mean, a one-nothing. That's it. I mean, the second second half, I think Man City they had XGs you put in here a point two nine. That's poor. I mean, they have a uh, an average of one point three one goals in the second half across the entire season. And they, they didn't look like they put anything together there. I thought we were gonna let up the equalizer at any point. And even after that, I still thought the momentum would have shifted and I think City's pretty lucky to walk away with a one-nothing victory there.
0: Yeah, I mean there's definitely some truth to that. And listen, Bournemouth, you know, they've made the Vitality Stadium a tough place to go play. And City's City's kind of gotten by the skin of their teeth on a couple of fixtures of late. But at the end of the day a win is a win. Can't take that away from him. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, specifically Milos Kerkic, I think he's a left back for Bournemouth. I thought he played really well, had a couple of big-time chances. But Ederson, you know, helped kind of bail you guys out a little bit and uh, able to get the victory. And, I mean, once again, another guy who's certainly in the running for, for player of the year is Phil Foden. He scores in this one. He, he won the man of the match. And I just think, um, you know, overall, he's he's become extremely important to City. Obviously, we knew about, you know, the talent for years. But um, now he's become more of a crucial player, whereas before he was more of a rotation guy. I think, you know, you, you can't he's if he's not the first or second name on the team sheet, he's certainly the third, um, you know, obviously behind Holland and KDB. But he's been huge for them this season and um, scores scores a winner in this one as well.
1: Yeah, no, he's been very very useful, especially cuz the random injuries, the Grealish, the KDB, he's just seemed to
0: find that malleable offensive position. Yep, absolutely. Up to 9 goals on the season for him is I think his best ever season is 12, so uh something to keep an eye on as as we go into the to the next couple of games here. Um but we're going to take a quick break now and then just give you a, a little bit of a look ahead for the week and uh Maybe the final installment of the lock of the week. So uh, bear with us. Okay, and welcome back. And speaking of things that we're welcoming back, we have the return of the world oldest cup competition the fa cup the fifth round is this week the matchup that really stands out to me is manchester city traveling to kenilworth road to take on luton town kyle what do you have on this matchup i mean city are got to be the massive massive favorites in this matchup
1: that being said i'm worried luton has been very very surprising against top tier teams i think sean called it way earlier this season that they would knock off a top four team and damn, this, this could be it. I know we came back earlier this season to beat them, but going into the second half down two to one, it's not what you're looking for against a newly promoted team. So I think Man City gets this one pretty solidly, but this could be a very large upset in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no. Listen, I, I think you got to pay a lot of respect to to the Hatters at Kennerworth Road. Obviously, your team's a lot better than theirs is, but they're super dangerous off the break, and um, you know we've seen that multiple times throughout the year. And also, just you know how good they are at home. That place rocks, uh, particularly from from the standpoint of of having a chance at a trophy. Probably their best chance they've ever had at a major trophy. So you know we'll see. Obviously, there, there's big games coming up for City as well. You have, um, you know, game the Manchester Derby, which we'll get to in a moment this weekend. Um, They have the return of of Champions League fixture on Wednesday or Tuesday next week, so potentially a weaker lineup and and an opportunity for Luton, but I'm certainly not holding my breath by any means. Um, A game that might be a bit more of a breathless encounter is Wolves v. Brighton at Molyneux on Wednesday. For me, two of the best teams outside of the big six in terms of just ease, ease, ease on the eye. Um, the football that they play. Uh, I think specifically Brighton looks really, really good of late. They've started to kind of find their game. Um, and I, I I say that as they drew with with uh, Everton at the weekend, but they also went down a man in that game um, and, and came back to, to rescue a point. So that should be a good one for me. I think the first time the teams played was a 4-1 victory for Brighton, but Wolves are in much better space at this moment in time obviously there are other fixtures as well we're in the the fifth round stage so that means that there's eight games in total um but most of them do not feature teams against each other in the top flight talks about liverpool southampton uh maidstone united our our favorite cinderellas were pretty handily dispatched today by coventry city i think it was four nil final so uh we'll obviously give you guys an update next week but just you know something to keep an eye on we have a couple games between tuesday and wednesday um, but but the pearl of the weekend is, is definitely the Manchester Derby. I'll let you just kind of run with this one. You know, g- give me your overall thoughts and, and how you're feeling entering this game. Yeah, no, this is going to be a
1: really fun one for Manchester City. Uh, Man U is coming off of an abysmal loss to Fulham, and Man City is coming off probably their most hard-fought, really nice team win, 1-0 against Brentford. So... I think this is going to be a high scoring one. The last 6 times that these teams have played, there's been 25 goals scored with 18 for City, 7 for Man U coming out at 5 wins for City. So, I mean if we keep this up historically, this should be a pretty simple win. I'm going to say it's going to be 3 to 1, maybe 4 to 1 City. I know that this is going to be a very violent game. That's why I'm very excited for it. Look for look for 11 yellow cards and a red. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yep. I think it's going to happen. I think Casemiro might step up and do that studs up challenge and just get that red card for us. So be looking for that. Uh, look for Phil Foden to shine. I know we just talked about how well he's been playing, but he had a hat trick against them last year and their 6-3 win. And there's no reason right now that Phil Foden shouldn't shine during this game. I, I think it's going to be a lot of pep ball. It might not be the most fun game to watch. It's I think it's gonna be really up there with almost seventy-five twenty five possession towards City. Cause but yeah, that, that's my call for this game. I'm looking for a sky blue banner to be held in Manchester by the end
0: of this. I don't want there to be any I just wanna about wanna, wanna point Manchester out is. and reference the first ever episode of this podcast was preview to a Manchester Derby where you predicted a four one victory for Man City and they lost to man united in that game consistency is key. Just, just so we're going to stay consistent <laughs> there fair enough fair enough just wanted to point it out um this game obviously kicks off a really difficult stretch of fixtures for manchester city they play obviously this game at home and then they travel to liverpool away brighton away arsenal at home and villa at home if they can escape that stretch unscathed it's pretty safe to say that they're going to win the title once again um James does have a note on here other than their definite locked in L at Tottenham Hotspur stadium. Um, But I mean, this is a huge stretch for them over the next month. And, and like, like, you know, we reference here really could end up, you know, dictating, dictating the title. Yep. I I think you're spot on with that. But at the same time, it, it is, it is Manchester United. They look way too easy to play through against Fulham. I mean, I know they generate a lot of chances, but if you go back and watch the highlights of that game, Fulham were able to get from, you know, their end of the pitch up through, you know, United's defense relatively easily, um, very quickly as well. So something to keep an eye on is is if they play a little bit more defensively compact, for example, uh, you know, the the game and the performance that they had at Anfield this year, where they, they sat very deep and just kind of hoped Liverpool wouldn't take their chances on pot shots from distance. I think there might be a similar strategy employed this weekend, particularly without Hoyland. Um, but yeah, I mean, w- with him not playing in the form that he's in, it's tough to see where their goals come from. I mean, this year, Rashford has just eight goal contributions. I think Garnacho is obviously capable of a moment of, of magic, but beyond him, there's not a lot of depth there from an attacking standpoint. Um, they're also without Luke Shaw, who was crucial in uh, in. Man United's victory over City last year. I think he had an assist in that game. So, uh, I'm with you. I think City end up winning this one. Um another game that's that's really important is Newcastle Wolves at St. James's Park. Uh Wolves actually just passed Newcastle on the table for 8th place uh, with their win this weekend. They're just one point back of Brighton, which is huge for European football stand from you know for that standpoint. And Newcastle cannot afford another L particularly at home. I mean, last year they were such a fortress and so difficult to go to St. James's Park and come away with a win. Um, You know, I think only only Arsenal and Liverpool were able to do it in all competitions. This year it's been done, you know, pretty routinely, I would say. I think um, they have three or four losses, and and then there's a couple of draws as well. Um, And Wolves, you know, like we've talked about, are super dangerous on the counter. It should be a good one. Obviously, there's some major European implications there. By the way, Newcastle, Wolves, Brighton, you're all welcome for beating Chelsea at the weekend. Now you actually have a chance to finish in a European tournament place. Um, where if if they did win the Carabao Cup, then Chelsea would have taken one of those spots, and then it basically would have been, you know, everybody, everybody, every man for themselves, um, and and begging or or relying on United to to fall back. Um, and the last game here, we have Brentford versus Chelsea at the G tech community stadium Saturday at 10 a.m. The bees have not lost a game to Chelsea since they've came up to the premier league in 2021. They won three of the last four goals by a margin of two goals or more. Some people are saying that what uh, West London is honey, yellow and red. Um, so Chelsea defend your fucking turf, baby. Let's see what's going to happen. But, if there's a game for Brentford to win, it's this one. Um, they are struggling of late. And I know quite a bit of that has to do with the team that they've come up against. You know, in their last five, they lost to Man City twice, they lost to Liverpool, they lost to Tottenham, but they also just got worked by West Ham United today. They're just five points clear of the relegation zone, and Luton Town has a game in hand on them. Um, so they need this victory. I think Ivan Tony and Neil Mope are in great form, and for them to win this game, both those guys are going to have to step up. Um, obviously, we discussed the lock of the week, Kyle. You picked Manchester City to beat Manchester United in the derby, but overall, the lock of the weeks are pretty horrendous. Um, hopefully, for everybody else's sake, you've just been fading your picks because you'd be a very, very wealthy individual. You, Kyle, are at two and five. I am at two and five and James is at two, four, and one act of cowardice. So it's been a rough go of it. Uh, might be time to retire the segment. And if anybody has an idea of something else to end the show on, we're all ears. Tune into the uh, – or chime off in, in the Instagram or reach out to us individually. But, um, you know, with that being said, I think we can conclude it unless you have any final thoughts.
1: No, I think you covered everything there. Um, you know, final thought, as always, James, two, four, and one. I would rather be two and five than two, four, and one. I, I just can't believe that he got away with a draw there. But you know what? It's just a shame. That's all it is.
0: That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning into EPL State of Mind. And of course, we wait with bated breath for the return of our fearless leader, James. Signing off. Have a good one, everybody.